you and magnify you in this place. Have you come to lift him up? I said, have you come to lift him up? Amen. Amen. And I am holding on to faith because I know he'll make a way and I don't always understand and I don't always get to see but I will believe it Yes, I will believe it. You make mountains move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. And I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt. You are faithful then. You'll be faithful now. Thank you, Lord. We are standing on your word, calling heaven down to earth, and you will fight our enemies, and this will end in victory. We will believe it. Yes, we will believe it. You Oh 
see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working, Lord. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you're my way maker, Lord. Way maker, feeling your working. Promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You're my way to the Lord. this old song that bought my liberty I do not know just why he came to love me so but he looks beyond all of these faults and he saw my needs sing with me if you know it and I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me how marvelous how marvelous the grace that calls my falling soul. He looks beyond all my faults and he saw my needs. One more time. Oh, I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary, and 
people. Listen, I was reading today that, that it was kind of like years ago when, when Dabo Swinney changed the culture of Clemson. And you know what it was? He said, you're all in. So in other words, they took a chip. And as they walked by, they would throw that chip in that bucket. And what it said was all in. And if you weren't all in, you didn't get to put the chip in the bucket. Because he wanted a group of individuals, of young men, that really were all, I mean, sold out. And I want to tell you something about God today. He's a jealous God. And I want you to know that God doesn't want some of us. He wants all of us. And that is why God also has this all-in mentality. You see, there was a church, you'll recall it, it was called Laodicea. And Laodicea was that church that the Bible tells us that they were cold, but yet they were hot. So they, they would come to church on Sunday, and they're on fire. And then, then Monday, next thing you know, they, they've got it attached to the world. And they've got attachments that are pulling them down from really reaching their full potential in Christ. And God said to them, I would rather that you just be hot, or I'd even rather if you'd just be a cold-hearted sinner than to be an in-the-middle, lukewarm Christian. God hates it. And so God wants us to understand this mentality that if you are going to be mine, you've got to be all of mine. Because God has invested in us today. But how many of you know that God invested in us? It is not only in His blood. For the Bible said that we have been bought with the price. We have been purchased with His blood. He has invested in us not only in that way, but He has also invested in us in Acts chapter 2. For the Bible said when Jesus left, He said, if I go away, he said, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. But I go not, and I'm not going to leave you here alone. He said, but when I get up there, I'm going to send back the Holy Spirit. I am going to send a comforter to you that will be with you and that will live inside of you. Somebody ought to shout amen. So the Holy Spirit was sent down. God has invested not only in his son's blood, but he has invested in every believer the power of the Holy Spirit to walk with us. Wow, amen. That's amazing. So this is the God that I serve, and we must understand the Holy Spirit is such a special, special part of the church. A matter of fact, without the Holy Spirit, we can't have church. Not, not Pentecostal church, not Acts 2 church, not miraculous church. You can't have that if you take out the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that made it worth going to church for. Amen. It used to, we're bringing these sheep and these lambs and these turtle doves and, and we're getting priests to, to kill them and drain the blood and that's our sin offering. But now we enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise and, and we, we walk into the house, all of a sudden we feel something run down our spine. It is none other than the person called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost. That is who that is. Now understand with me, and I've said it many times, but the Holy Spirit is not just an emotional influence in the church. You know, when I was growing up, and, and I've told you this, that many times we'd come home from church, if somebody had the work or missed the service, they would come in and they'd say, they'd call rather, and they'd say, hey, how'd church go tonight? Oh, man, it's a good one. And they'd say, did you shout? Because they based good church off of a shout. And so if you don't shout, you don't have good church. That was the way it was, all right? But what I want to know, did anybody get saved? I want to know, did anybody get delivered? I want to know, did anybody receive their healing? 
Come on, somebody. I want to know, did something supernatural take place in the church other than you shouting hallelujah louder than anybody else? I mean, I'm telling you. Now, I believe in emotion, and, I, and, I, and I'm emotional. Y'all can tell I'm emotional. I'm shouting hallelujah as loud as I can this morning. But I understand that this is not contingent upon the working and the moving of the Holy Spirit. Because what I'm telling you, the most, the most intimate that I have ever felt with God is when God had me laying flat on my face and tears were rolling down my eyes and I felt unworthy to look up at Him. And I felt unworthy to get up off that floor. That was the most anointed I've ever felt. It's in the, pre the Holy Spirit it's not a magical formula that's made up. He is not merely an it. He is a person. He is the third person. He's a he. That's what the Bible calls him. And it can't do what the Holy Spirit can do. There's Father, there's Son, there's Holy Spirit. He is a person with personal attributes. He has a presence. A matter of fact, he has his own language. So... The Holy Spirit is something really, really special. He distributes to us wisdom. He gives us grace in our time of need. He speaks peace to us in the middle of the night. He grants us direction when we don't know what to do or where to go. The Holy Spirit can even be grieved. Perhaps it's people when we walk into the house of the Lord and He sees us not worshiping our mediator Jesus like we ought to. Perhaps when we come into the house and we don't give Jesus praise, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we walk in the church and we've got an attitude, something outside of the attitude that we've come to lift up Jesus Christ. We've got a different agenda. It grieves the Holy Spirit because that's not what He is here for. He is here to lift up Jesus Christ. One of the overlooked attributes, i got to hurry this morning, i got a lot to cover. He has a yearning. He has a longing. He even has a great desire, the Bible says. So the Holy Spirit is a He. Now, in our text, referring to the Spirit, there's something that gets, gets me a little tangled up here. It is the word lust. In its normal connotations, when you look at the word lust, what do you think? You think of a negative shadow, right? It always casts a negative shadow. Lust. Oh, that man, that woman, they're lusting after somebody. Most often, Proverbs chapter 6 is kind of linked to the seven deadly sins. Uh, the fact that all sin is deadly and carries consequences. That's the fact and penalties. But in the New Testament, he sums it up into this. He says in John, he says, You have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All dealing with the flesh. It is even more astonishing that when we look at the next word that's connected, it's the word envy or the word jealousy. Now that's a word that of course has a negative light. But the Bible said that the spirit lusteth to envy. Now we teach that you should not envy what your neighbor has, right? I mean, don't I teach to y'all, oh, don't be jealous of so-and-so or this because if you're all the time looking at them, you're going to miss out on your blessing and what God's wanting to do in your life. Always want what somebody else has. We teach against that. It's called discontentment. We teach Philippians 4.11. For I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Amen. But here the Bible, James actually says in this verse. That the definitions themselves, the words themselves are not necessarily the evil. 
It is how we look at them, how we use them. See, understand with me today, I, I often, I often, the culture really determines what a word means. These kids these days are saying things I ain't never heard in my life before. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, I don't want to be the culturally cool pastor that starts saying all their lingo, because I really don't care. I'm an 80s baby. All right? We come from different cloth. We come from a different generation. What I'm telling you is it's how you use it. It's, it's kind of like I was, somebody asked me, said, how did the cuss word ever become a cuss word? How does the cuss word become wrong? It's because we have made them wrong. We have created that culture. I mean, you get out your Bible, you King James Version lovers, and read about the donkey that Balaam was beating. I'll put it to you this way. It's not called a donkey. Starts with an A and ends with an S. I got kids, so I'll just spare them today. The point is, it is not a cuss word. It is how it is used. See, watch, understand with me that lust most often is associated with flesh. And it, it carries this immoral connotation meaning. And we understand that. It, is, it simply means to crave something. To desire something beyond a light or casual wanting. It is that great longing. It is the unwillingness to do without something. What it means by definition is this. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And this is the way that the Holy Spirit feels about you. He has to have all of you. He is not satisfied with half of you. He has got to have all of you. Now, I want you to understand this with me really, really quickly as I hurry along. This word envy carries with it a sense of desire that, that we have to have something that someone else has. Man, I wish that we felt that way about the Spirit. I mean, if we're going to be envious of somebody, why don't we be envious of their prayer life instead of their house? I mean, if we're going to be jealous of something, why aren't we jealous of the anointing that works in them? And we've got a desire that says, I want what they've got. If we're going to be envious, why can't we be an Elijah and an Elisha that says, until I get a double portion of your spirit, I'm not going to leave you. So sometimes... Perhaps envy is not a bad thing. So James, of course, gives us the negative influence that lust and envy can have on the human spirit. But the Holy Spirit is longing for us, for fellowship, for ownership of us. This neglect of what matters most, spiritual matters. James writes in verse 5, Do you think the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? What a powerful image. As we see the Holy Spirit almost loses his patience with our obsession with the world. Did y'all catch that? He almost loses his patience with our obsession to the world while we neglect the gift that has been given to us by Jesus Christ himself. It is the Holy Spirit that is the gift. And yes, he is envious and he is jealous when about loses his patience when he sees that we are so obsessed with this world that we neglect the gift of God in our life. 
But I like the verse that correlates with it. The next one says, but God giveth more grace. In order to have me, he distributes more grace that I may walk with him, fellowship with him. I'm telling you this more grace. He answers a prayer, just a little prayer, so that I can be encouraged. And he said, just hold on a little while longer. He answers a little prayer. And he says, you can make it if you just hold on. More grace. What does that mean? That means he's willing to forgive me more. Woo, man, I need that sometimes, don't you? I need a God that puts up with my shortcomings. I need a God that says I am willing to look beyond all of your faults and see your needs. So what God is saying is if it takes more grace to get you through and to make you all of mine than it did previously given to this point, then I will cross that place here and now. I am going to give you my only begotten son so I can have you. Wow. Did y'all grab that? He gave his only begotten son, John 3.16, just so he could call you Don't you dare tell me today God doesn't love you. Don't you dare tell me today that you feel like Jesus doesn't care. I'm telling you, God does care. I belong to God today. We belong to the Spirit. For the Bible said, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Which are God's. So the Holy Spirit is working in my life. In order to transform me to look more like Jesus looks. I can win a lost and dying world. I have the power to be able to witness. There are five things that the Holy Spirit wants for you today. Number one, if you want to write a note, he wants to invade you. The word invade, as we all know, is often a term. Another word that is warfare and battle. It is like Russia and Ukraine. It is when one army conquers another army. Every time that they do that, they gain ground. And as they gain ground, they keep it for themselves. Uh, You see, this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to invade your being. You are no longer your own. He wants your hands. He wants your feet. He wants your tongue. He wants your heart. He wants all of you. The Holy Spirit wants to invade you today he wants every square inch of you and of your life you know we used to pray for people all the time and I won't ever forget it some of you may remember you know in the altar we used to mess up people's hair all the time I hated that mess I got some good hairspray now boy y'all have a time with it between got to be glue and hairspray I'm protected praise the Lord we had a guy used to pray for you he'd come over and he'd say ah and he'd start rubbing your head as hard as he could People get up from the altar, look like Albert Einstein. Come on, somebody. None of y'all know what I'm talking about, do you? Just pray, shake it out of them, beat it into them, whatever you got to do. But I remember one of the words that we used to say. Them old saints of God get around you and they'd say, God, let the Spirit get on them. Baptize them from the top of their head to the very soles of their feet. Anybody remember what they were saying was Holy Ghost invade them. Let there not be any part of them that belongs to the world. Why? Because God is jealous for me. Woo! My goodness. So here we, 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 listen, there's no swingers in the house. I hope there's not anyhow. 
You don't share your wife on the weekend. Well, let me tell you, that's the way God is. He doesn't share you with the devil on the weekend and give you back to God on Sunday. That's not how it works. If God's going to have you, the Holy Spirit has to invade your life. Point number two, got to hurry. He envelops us. What, he wants to envelop you. What does that word even mean? It means to surround. It means to enclose completely there was an old song we used to sing it went surround me oh lord mm. surround me oh lord the most common concept of this would be called an well it's called an envelope for you fancy people for southern knowledge i call it the envelope is that okay y'all fine with that i said envelope right at least when you get that envelope you put contents inside of it. There are three things the envelope is intended to do. Number one, it seals its contents and it keeps it clean. Whatever is on the inside. When you seal it, it means nothing else can get in. That is what God is wanting to do with you. He is wanting the Spirit to envelop you in such a way that every time sin tries to enter, it's sealed by the Holy Spirit. Woo! Every time the devil tries to make you say that word you know you shouldn't say. Not today, devil. I've been enveloped by the Spirit. I have been sealed. Understand it also. The purpose of the envelope is to deliver its contents to the destination. And I'm telling somebody today, the reason that I need the Spirit is because I'm like a package that's being delivered. This world is not my home. I am only passing through the system. But where my final destination is, is a place beyond the blue sky. It's a place called heaven. And now that I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, God's going to deliver the contents to the destination. Thirdly, the Spirit protects the contents on the inside. No wonder it's been said, no one can take my joy. No one can take my peace. No one can take my happiness. Look at Ephesians uh, chapter 4 really quick. I want to show you that. Nobody can take it. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You're sealed. Somebody say, I'm sealed. You're like that, that little letter in the envelope. It's protected, baby. I am sealed for the day of redemption. So what did God say? Now you've got to let all that bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Let it be put away from you with all malice. Be kind one to another. Tender hearted, forgiving one another. Even as Christ forgave you. My Lord have mercy. What a simple yet complete picture of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Bible said we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise in Him. You also trusted, Paul said, after you heard the gospel of your salvation. You have believed in Him. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit will keep us and deliver us to the Father very soon. For soon and very soon we are going to see the King. I can make it because the Holy Spirit has enveloped me. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit has been sent to instruct you. We don't like this part of Him. Mm -mm, I don't need nobody telling me what to do. Uh -uh. I'm my own person. Man, I tell you, I get so sick of this culture that thinks everybody owes them something. They don't owe you nothing. 
My Lord have mercy. Get out and get a job just like everybody else. That's what I want to tell them. Hold on, everybody shout at once. Y'all know I'm right. Oh, God have mercy. Help pastor today. The Holy Spirit is sent to instruct me. The Bible said the, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. And He will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Has that ever happened to you? Amen. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you lose your train of thought and you're trying to witness and you're trying to tell them something good and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just bam, nailed you. Amen. And you thought, oh, yeah, I can tell them about that, that, that happened a couple of weeks ago. Well, let me tell you, I was praying about the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance. Listen to me. I'm a little unhinged sometimes. So I know what this means because the Holy Spirit does it with me every Sunday morning. Every Wednesday, when my ADD gets to acting up and I'm watching y'all and thinking at the same time, the only reason I can do what I do is because of the instruction of the Holy Spirit that speaks and says, this is the word that you are to say. We need the instruction. The Holy Spirit will guide us. The Bible said that the Spirit will guide you into all truth. He will not speak in His own authority, but what He hears. He will speak and He will tell you things to come. I'm going to tell you something. We shouldn't be caught off guard by end time stuff that's happening. Amen. We knew this was coming. Amen. We knew it was coming because the Holy Spirit has already told us. And for those that have been praying and for those that have been waiting, it's like on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2. I mean, when the Spirit came in, do you think there was one person, there's 120 in the upper room, do you think there's one person that was like, well, this is a normal day? The Bible said that when the Spirit came in, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance to do so. 120 people were in there. 120 people we're filled. My Lord, I'm telling somebody today that this is the desire of God. He is wanting to come into our midst. He has told us what's going to happen. He, there is some, what I'm saying is there is something in the upper room that the atmosphere changed. And there was not one person that left feeling different than the others. When they left, they all knew the Holy Spirit had been there. And I believe today in 2022 that the every born again believer, you know, you can just feel it in your spirit. There's something going on in the universe. There's something happening right now that you've never seen before. Something's about to take place. It's in the atmosphere. Do you know what it is? It's the Holy Spirit instructing and guiding us into all truth. We're not caught off guard. No, 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 no. The devil thinks he's got us. No, we, we, we know what we're looking for. I don't know a lot about algebra. Matter of fact, I hated it when I went to school. All these formulas, all these numbers, all these upside down errors that I have no idea what they mean anymore. I remember what multiplication division was. Uh, let's just stop it right there, all right? There was a two, a square, square roots. I remember all that. See, it's coming back to me now, all right? Practice makes perfect. But I had a patient instructor, especially when I got into chemistry. Now, that stuff, I really believed it was of the devil. 
But I had a patient instructor that worked with me. And taught me every symbol, every formula. And I'm telling you the Holy Spirit is our schoolmaster. And he is teaching us more and more about Jesus Christ. He continually turns the floodlight on the Savior. For Jesus said he will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that are the Father's are mine. Therefore I said to you he will take of mine. And he will declare it to you. Meaning that what the Holy Spirit job is, is to shine a light on the cross of Calvary, on the resurrected Lord. He always glorifies Jesus Christ. I've seen people try to shout and glorify themselves, but listen to me. The Holy Spirit always, I said always, puts the spotlight on Jesus Christ. If a mere man can walk into a room and you pass out, you should be ashamed of yourself. I said what some of y'all been thinking for years. I see Hollywood stars walk in and people are like, oh my God. I want to scream, what's wrong with you? Get up on the floor and have some dignity. The Holy Spirit walks in the room. We're just as casual as we've ever been. I can't understand it for the life of me. But if Tom Cruise walked through the door, my God, or President Trump, uh, we'd be like, oh my God, it's good to see you. You know what I'd do? I'd let him take a seat and I'd finish preaching my sermon. Amen. And I'd tell everybody it's good to have President Trump with us. That's what I would do. But that's how I roll. Because when I come into this house, I know that there's only one man that I'm supposed to live. I'm not talking about honoring people and recognizing people. But I'm talking about when it comes to glorifying somebody. The only person I glorify in this house is Jesus Christ. And Him alone, He's the one that died for me. And the Holy Spirit. Oh, i got to hurry. Alright, next. He wants to impress now, one of the frequent operations of the Spirit is to bring impressions on us of things we would not know on our own. Some people call it discernment. The Bible said, but God has revealed to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. Now, now, now I know some of you are thinking when I say impressed, Right? I'm not talking about the kind of impress that some of you boys have been trying to do with that girl, all right? Uh, I'm not talking about that kind of impress. I'm talking about a feeling. Oh my goodness. It is an overwhelming urgency, it is a quickening in the spirit. Are you ready? I want to give you three things the Spirit impresses. The Spirit may impress you to pray for somebody. It may be 2 o'clock in the morning. And God may put them on your mind. And you're tossing and you're turning. And you're wondering why you can't sleep. And God keeps saying, Brian. I ain't got time. I see him all week, Lord. Let me go to sleep. Brian. You have to realize the Holy Spirit may be impressing upon you. You need to pray for Brian. You need to pray for whomever it may be. You need to ring the prayer bells of heaven. They're in a time of crisis, in a time of need. That's the impression. It may be that impression to step out on faith. 
It may be that impression that when you're up in a tree and there's a limb and you think to yourself, if I go out on the limb by myself, the limb's going to break. But the Spirit says, step on the limb. I'm going to keep it intact. It is Peter on the boat. And everybody says, man, Peter's gone crazy. He's the guy that gets naked, strips down, and runs in the ocean. This guy's a lunatic. But one night in the middle of a storm, the impression of the Holy Spirit said, Peter, Jesus is out there in the middle of the storm. Why are you staying in the boat? And when he was impressed with faith, all of a sudden he's walking on top of water just like I'm walking on top of this platform. Are you hearing what? An impression. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's telling you just do it. Sometimes it's an impression to speak. Yes, to speak to your mountain. Sometimes it is an impression to speak a word of encouragement. Every now and then it may even be time to speak a word of prophecy. Thus says the Lord. I'm going to leave you with this one. I'm going to close. The last thing the Spirit wants to do is He wants to indwell you. He wants to live inside of you. The one thing that we learn from James chapter 4 is that the world and God don't jive. In chapter 4 or chapter 5, you can read the verses, or chapter 4 and verse 5, you could read the verses before that. And in verse 4, I believe it is, he says the man that becomes a friend with the world, anybody remember it, becomes the enemy of God. So even in modern culture, when we think we can serve Jesus and live like hell during the week, those days are over. Because the Bible said if you are going to live to the fullness, the full potential God has for you. Now there's some of you, you can live below if you want to. That's fine. If you want to settle, you do that. But God says if you want my best for your life, you've got to give me all of you. I want my spirit to get inside of you. And every morning when you wake up, Holy Spirit is right there. Every time you go through a battle and you feel discouraged, you reach down inside because someone is indwelling you. His name is the Holy Spirit. He's living there. And it doesn't matter where you are, what time it is. He's always with you. No wonder God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll go with you to the end. Because he knew when the Holy Spirit came, for those that would be a believer and trust in Jesus Christ with their whole life, he knew that the Spirit was not just going to walk with them. The Spirit was going to live inside of them and never leave them lonely. That's a powerful thought today. I'm going to close with this. Whoever drinks of this water, that I give him to the woman of Samaria. You're going to thirst again. But the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of life springing up into everlasting life. He who believes in me, the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him 
would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He was talking about Acts chapter 2. He was talking about the church of the 21st century. Have you ever felt that? Something that swells up inside of you. And you can't help but. Something swells up in you. And you can't help but say, Something swells up in you. And all of a sudden you're like, oh. People are like, does he think he's the karate kid over there? I don't care. I've seen people do some, I've seen people do a whole kick like that. What had happened to them that some of you have never experienced? God forbid that you're one of those. Woo! Something swells up inside. And Jesus said, it is the Holy Ghost. Because when he lives on the inside, he's got to come out every now and then. Come on, somebody. Hey, I got to leave you. I got to leave you. A simple hand glove illustrates perfectly what the Holy Spirit desires to be in your life. So the Holy Spirit is yearning. After your heart. The Holy Spirit. Is wanting to own you. He is wanting. To indwell you. He wants total surrender. So when you think about the glove. Just a common. Simple glove. Nothing special about this glove. Alright. It just flops around. It lays here. It lays there. It goes through abuse. Right. It's just a glove. I'm going to take this glove home today. I'm going to put it in my softball bag and stuff it down in there. Zip it up. It's just going to lay there dormant. It's a glove. Until I need that glove. And I'm going to pull it out, right? Let me show you what the glove is. The glove that is not indwelt is absolutely no good. Now, I could put one finger in the glove, right? Does this look effective to y'all? If I walk up the bat like this, they could be like, this guy's an idiot. He's holding the glove more than he is the bat. The, 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 um, the bat. What in the world? Because that's not what a glove's meant for. Now, I could ring the doorbell, right? I mean, I could do something. There's some of you, the reason you haven't been used by God is because you ain't even got all fingers in the glove yet. His fingers aren't in the glove yet. All he's got is a thumb in there. This is what it is for a lukewarm Christian. God's saying, man, if I could just work through you, boy, you got gifts, you got talents. If I could just get you to surrender. Oh, come on, somebody. But some of you have sat there for years and years, a half-used glove. And the Holy Spirit, that is not His desire for your life. He's got so much better and so much bigger for you than that. The Holy Spirit wants every part. A glove's not good without a living hand. And the Holy Spirit, oh praise God, is that living hand. He comes into that dead glove. The glove's me. The glove's you. See, if, if a living hand doesn't come in the glove, all I do is I flip and I flop through a sermon every Sunday. And we've got people that are saying, oh my gosh, I wish he'd hush. 
But when I surrender to Him, and when I say, God, today, if you don't help me, I just can't do it. Do you understand what's happening here? I feel like O.J. Simpson on trial right now. Praise God. When the living hand gets inside of the glove and the glove is working like the glove's supposed to work all of a sudden everything changes and now when the living hand of the Holy Spirit gets into this old dead glove all of a sudden you're preaching with an anointing you never thought you could you're laying hands on sick and they're being healed you're doing things great for God and it's all because you decided to let His hand Feel the glove. Come on, I'm closing my God Almighty. I'm telling somebody today. I wish to God that somebody would just let the glove, let the hand of God, the Holy Spirit, fill that glove. And you can look at the broken and wounded. And you can say, get up and rise and walk in the name of Jesus. It's not the glove doing it, ladies and gentlemen. It's the living hand inside of that old glove moving under power and anointing that is indwelling their body. With Him, the Spirit, our hands become His hands. Our tongue, our lips become the mouthpiece of God. The Holy Spirit yearns for a willing vessel that He can employ for the Master's use. The Holy Spirit wants to invade you today. He wants to envelop you today, surround you. He wants to instruct you. He wants to impress you. And He wants to indwell and live inside of you. Be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5, 8. And allow the Spirit to lead you, Romans 8. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and the daughters of God. Let's all stand. I, I'm close. How many in this building today will say, Father, all I am is the old glove. But I want you to fill that glove with your living, powerful spirit. I want you to use me in a way I've never been used before. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now under the impression of the Holy Spirit. That's right. There's some of you looking like this. Right here in this church, right here, right now, this is what it looks like. Some of you only got one finger in that glove. God's only got one finger in that glove. That's all He's got. He's tried for years to get you to surrender to His call, to surrender to His will. You haven't opened up yet and said, Father, I'm yours. And I'm telling somebody today, through the impression of the Spirit, that if you'll go all in and you'll give Him all in, He's going to fill that glove. And I'm going to tell you about this. I've been on both ends of the stick, all right? When I was a teenager, I, I used to think I was a pretty good preacher. Figured out really quick, like, I wasn't a good preacher at all. I thought more highly of myself than I really was. And I remember the night, Byron, that I, I got up in the pulpit. Yeah. One 
finger in my glove. Yeah. I think by the time I got finished, I'd already shook the glove off. I'd lost the hand. I'd lost everything. I was just laying there dead on the ground. God wanted to show me that night, without me, you are Every time we talk about putting on garments today, we talk about letting that glove, the hand of God, come in the glove today. But now when I get up, if I don't have this on, I ain't getting up. I'd rather sing a couple more songs and have an altar call than get in this pulpit without a living hand inside. And I wish to God that some of you would be as jealous for God as He is for and I wish some of us in this house would be as envious for the Holy Ghost as the Holy Ghost is for us. Every time that the Holy Spirit, He gets envious. When we watch TV, but we can't pray. He's envious of that television set. He gets envious every time we come to church and we go through the motion. And we do our, our singing and our preaching and shake hands and be friends. Acting like we're the way we have church. The Holy Spirit is envious of the people that we think can take us into the presence of God. Because He knows He's the only one that can. Anybody want to pray for that? Sing. That's a good song. Oh, comforter. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Anybody want to allow the living hand to fill the glove today? Does anybody want to let the living hand fill your vessel today? You'll teach better than you've ever taught. You'll witness better than you've ever witnessed. You'll walk in an anointing like you've never walked in. That's what the Spirit wants to do.
are in your presence, your presence, Lord. 